welcome to season three of Gill Athletics Connection Podcast. If this is your first time here, we're so excited you hit the play button today. If you like what you hear, check out our library of hundreds of past guests that is sure to give you value. For everyone else, we're so happy you've come back. Quick favor, if you haven't already, consider taking a minute to rate and review the podcast. This simple act helps amplify these amazing stories, and we just love to hear your feedback. Heck, we may even read it out loud in a future episode. Okay, that's enough of an intro, right? Let's get to it. See what today's guest has in store for us. All right, welcome back to the podcast. I am so humbled to be your host, Mike Cunningham, National Sales Manager for Gill Athletics. Um, I've been wanting this one for a while, so I think this is going to be a lot of fun because I've known this guy for a long time. I'm going to say I used to compete against him, but when he's just continually whooping your butt. I'm not sure it was really a competition, uh, but one of the most positive men in the absolute world, a great person, a great guy, and a phenomenal coach. Help me welcome to the show today, the wise, the wonderful head coach of the University of Kentucky Wildcats, Mr. Lonnie Green. Lonnie, how are you today, man? Man, I'm blessed. I can't complain. I'm blessed. You know, I could, but it ain't gonna make too much sense that I could. So I, all I can do is just keep my head up and keep working. I love that you started out with that, and that's because you're so authentic every time. And I'm talking about from the very first time I ever met you till today, which that's maybe hundreds of conversations. Whenever I say, Lonnie, how are you? It is always that big smile and that big, I am blessed. You, you know, we're going to get into it, but I just have a feeling you really enjoy, I'm going to, I'm going to do this in air quotes, your job, because this is more of a calling, it feels like for you. You just really enjoy this, don't you? I do. I do. I do. I, you know, you know, a long time ago, I heard a sermon by the late um, uh, Pastor Dr. Miles Monroe. I was in, I was in graduate school and um, in Missouri, and um, I don't know, I was just flipping through channels, and he was, he was preaching on purpose, you know, and he, and you know, at the end, he said, he, he challenged people to ask, to pray and ask God, what is your purpose? Because for me, it was, I was going to get the, get my, my MPA degree, my master's in public administration, and go to law school. And, um, um, you know, and, and I prayed that, I really sincerely prayed that prayer. And, um, and in, in short time, you know, literally my life shifted. And I remember calling my, 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 my best friend in the world, he's a cardiothoracic surgeon in the DC area. And I said, Mark, I think I screwed my life up. And he said, what do you mean? I said, man, this coaching thing, I really like this. I like this. I don't. I think I messed up. I got the wrong education. You know what I mean? And and he was like, you got to, you know, he, he didn't say it this way. He said it a different way. You got to be mean to me. You know, he used the words, you know? And I, I said, man, I don't know what to do. So the next day I went in to see my then boss at the time, his name was Jeff Berryessa. And and I said, Jeff, um, how do you, how do you get into coaching? What are you doing? He said, what do you mean? You're coaching now. I said, no, no, no. How do I do what you do? And he said, I said, but I don't have an undergrad in kinesiology or exercise science or PE. At that time in the 80s, it was PE. We, we weren't saying kinesiology then. <laughs> you know, even at the college level, very few schools were saying kinesiology or exercise science. You know, and um, um, he said, it doesn't matter as long as you have a degree. As long as you have a, a you know, bachelor degree or higher and you have experience. And that didn't rest well with me. You know, because I thought the guy was just trying to pacify me. And um, and he, he's a good man, don't get me wrong, you know what I mean? But but I felt he was trying to pacify me. But at that time when I went there, it was like, we'll get this master's degree. 
I'm gonna move on and I'm gonna do this. And I'm gonna be like one of those guys in LA law wearing John Phillips suits and, and just, you know, and just litigating and doing all this stuff, you know? And um, anyway, long story short, fast forward to my time at Minnesota and, my, and I, I, I spent the time at Gary at Minnesota and I was, I was still troubled in my spirit, man. I was still troubled in my heart that I was messing up. I had messed up my life. And one day they were going to say, hey, you don't have the qualifications because you have, you don't have a kinesiology or, you know, exercise science or be in my, in my heart. All the while I was carrying that. And then I met Nolan Richardson and I asked him that question when I got to Arkansas. And I, now here's it. I got hired at Arkansas, met Coach Richardson. I don't know. I don't know. Like a month later, met his, I knew his assistant, Mike Anderson, who's a good, Mike Anderson, who's now the head coach at St. John's, who's a good friend of mine. Our families are good friends. You know, we went to the same church and did a lot of things together. Anyway, long story short, he said to me, it doesn't matter as long as you have a higher degree. So my degree is in English, I think. I think that's what he said. I can't remember that. But he said, my degree is in English. He said, but he said, as long as you got good coaching experience and good pedigree, you're going to be okay. And it wasn't until he spoke that to me was when I got peace. Now, this is 1989. And it wasn't until 90, 1996 or five when I got to Fayetteville, Arkansas, was when I had I got peace in my spirit that I was okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, that's how I stumbled. That's how I stumbled across my purpose, and and I've been working in it. And so for me, I, I tell my sons to do what they love to do because if they do that, they will never work a day in their life. And I love working with young people. I love work seeing them come to us one way and. And, and leaving a completely different way, you know, a much better individual. I, I, I take the profession really serious because at the end of the day, a mother or father is sending their son or daughter to us, you know, at 18 to 22 and say, okay, we bought them here now, finish them off for us. Finish them off so that they can then go out and be productive people in their communities, in their life, in their careers, whatever they, as a husband, as a wife, as a mother, as a father. I think, and, and, and for me, when it comes to young people, even though I hold them accountable big time, that's that's always in the back of my mind. This is someone's child. You know what I mean? And I got to handle these. I got to handle this thing very, very carefully. And even though my kids will tell you, any athletes will tell you, Coach Green will get on you. Now. I will get in your face and be like, get this right. Fix it. I tell parents when they come to our schools on recruiting trips, if, you, if, if you're looking for a school that's going to pacify you and your child and say, oh, it's okay. You can mess up. That's okay. I said, Kentucky or Purdue or wherever I was or Arkansas, is not for you. I said, but if you're looking for someone who's going to hold your child accountable, make sure they, they, they're doing what they're supposed to do so that they can matriculate to their, their education and still be the best they can be on track, then this is the spot for you. But if you're looking for the other, then I would suggest you go somewhere else. You know, and I, I said, love, our, our campus. I love the lesson that you gave the example there, Lonnie, of, you know, you heard the same thing from two different people, you know, your advisor at Missouri and then basketball coach of like, hey, you don't need it may have helped, but you don't have to have a kinesiology. You, you, I heard more, you know, my words of, you know, um, as long as you have a good pedigree, you know, you learning from other coaches and you have passion, you, you know, you can do it. So you heard the same thing from two different people, but it, 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 it didn't, I don't want to say resonate, but it didn't really sit well with your soul, I think was your words until the second time. It's interesting how we sometimes have to hear the same thing, maybe said in a little different way, maybe said from different people, but more importantly, said at a different time frame for you you had to be where you were when you heard from mike anderson to for it to actually seep in and be like oh okay 
I can do like I, I am I'm worthy I, I am a coach even though I don't have a kinesiology degree I, I love that lesson because we we sometimes hear the same things we read the same books over and over and we think well we're, I'm just regurgitating the same thing I'm just hearing the same thing you are in a different posture at different points in your life I, I love that lesson there from those two individuals in your life yes sir so what was it you talk about this seemed to be a, a longer period than I've heard from others but I'm always curious with people, whether they were athletes before or not, you know, there's it comes a point in your time as you're now a coach that coaching switched from something that was done to you to something that you can become a professional in, like it could actually be a career. It sounded as you went through Minnesota and then to Arkansas, and Arkansas is where you and I's history starts. I totally forgot about Minnesota. And you mentioned one of the other greatest people in the world, Gary Wilson. <laughs> Uh, I'm in Minnesota right now as we record. I was here for Big Tens, man. So when I saw his, he's got this nice billboard, you know, this memorial of Gary Wilson in the track that he built, basically, man. So I, That's I love awesome. it. Yeah, I love it. Uh, I should have taken a picture of it now that I think about it. Dang it. But how did this process happen where it changed from coaching something that's done to me I'm going to go on and be a lawyer that's a great profession we we, we need them I guess you know <laughs> depending on how you feel about lawyers but you know we need them to where it started switching to like oh wait a minute I'm not supposed to be a lawyer I'm actually supposed to be a coach was there um, an athlete was there a coach what 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 was it that kind of started making that switch in your heart well I think it was for me you know when I, I went to Murray State University I'm, I'm, I'm a 1989 grad of, of Murray State and um, we were, you know, at the time it was it was Coach Naruski. Yeah. Coach Flanagan recruited me, but then he went on to Arkansas State to work for Guy Cocho. Um, and then Coach Naruski came, Stan Naruski came, and he took over. Margaret Simmons was the women's coach at the time. And um, we didn't have a jumps coach. And me being a jumper hurdler, I actually was helping the jumpers. So we started doing things and, you know, I looked for almost almost every day. I was what you call it. Sometimes in back in the day, I'm dating myself. Now back in the day, there would be player coaches mm. where a guy would be a coach, but he also was a player in a basketball team. Mm. Well, like you could say, I was a track athlete coach. You know what I mean? I literally helped coach the jumpers and Coach Simmons. Margaret Simmons literally would let me coach the women. You know, and we were we were doing great things. Diane Woodside back then jumped like twenty feet something and, and 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 the women's triple jump was just being introduced you know it was just you know and, and she jumped like 41 feet six inches when that was like jumping the world's record you know what i mean you know and uh, um and and and, I, and coach naruski said to me one day when i we were doing some stuff we were doing some short run jumps he said and i quote he said what are you gonna do when you graduate i said oh, i don't know go to law school i don't know uh i don't know go back home and to the bahamas where i'm from originally and and you know maybe work in the police department, I don't know yet, you know? And he said, you should be coaching. They were his words. Mm. They were his words. Now, I, I mentioned earlier how I, I went on to grad school and I remember him, I mean, he pushed me so hard to become a GA. He pushed me because we didn't have a, a GA position available at the time. If we did, we had one and he had already committed it to one of my other teammates. And, but he pushed me so hard you know, to, to get a GA position elsewhere. And I remember, you know, you know, when I got to Springfield, Missouri at the time, Southwest Missouri State University, uh, which is now Missouri State, I remember getting there and 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 just like, man, I could 
they could do this. But again, I have to even talk. My best friend, I bounced everything off. He bounced. He has a, a, a successful surgeon. He, he, he called me and bounced stuff off me. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I should be the one calling him. But anyway, <laughs> we, but we worked together all our lives. But anyway, he, he, you know, I start, you know, at that moment, I was like, man, I could do this. I can do this. It's, it's something about Mike when, 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 when people speak into your life. Let me put it like this. When people speak in, when they speak destiny into your life, and if you open the time to hear it, not just with your ears, but with your heart, you know what I mean? It, it takes root. You know what I mean? And, and, and it starts to grow. It starts to, you know, it starts to, I'm sorry about this. I'm on my phone. And yeah, you're good. Let me, let me you know, it, I'm sorry about that. It starts to grow and it takes root. It, it really starts to, to really, you know, you know, reverberate in your gut. You know what yeah. I mean? And yeah. just always there, like, you know, so, but I think it was Coach Naruski saying you should be in coaching. And eventually I got to a point where, you know, I was literally doing it for nothing. I was making $575, no, $73.75 a month for about three years. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then, you know, doing what I was, you know, because I wanted to coach. Right. And then the Kraft Foods in Springfield, Missouri from 11 at night to 7 in the morning. But people saw you as a, they saw you coaching, but they didn't know the story. You know what I mean? And then, you know, I would get off work sometimes on Thursdays and get in a van and drive the team mm. to attract me. You know what I mean? And and so there was, and we got to a point where the kids would see me falling asleep. They'll be like, okay, someone needs to stay up front and talk to Ryan. <laughs> someone got to talk to them. So they take talking to me but just to keep me awake. You know what I mean? So, so... So I think when Coach Naruski spoke that into me, that was when that was when I think the seed hit the ground and and, and it took root. You know what I mean? Well, one of the many gifts that coaches have is they see something in their athletes before the athlete can see it in themselves. You know, whether it's a different event, you know, maybe a kid comes in and the coach is like, "You're a you're a combined eventer. You're a decathlete or a decathlete." That kid's like what do you like you know most kids coming out of high school have no clue what that even is you know but a coach can see that in the athlete before them i love that story about stan naruski a great individual what an awesome uh human being that he looks at you and, and you don't even really see it at the point but you're like he, he just looks at you and says oh no no i see this you're a coach like you can't see it just yet lonnie but i do and i've been around i, I see that I, I love that that's 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 really really great when you mention about go ahead lonnie i'm sorry it's like a parent you know you see yeah. the potential of children you know you know you can see the potential and what they could become you know what i mean if, if they would only embrace the journey you know what i mean and you tell them and you speak to them and you encourage them you know um uh, it's it's like you know, when, when God gives you a vision for something or a thing and everything you look at, you can see what that vision, you can see that vision in and through it. You know what I mean? For example, you know, it, it's like, um, it's like I heard Bishop Jake say something like, you look at a tree, you know, Ali Pokish, everybody's trying to call it this time. You, you know, know, popular man now, come on. I knew this was happening. <laughs> you know, um, you know, uh, you know, you look at a tree and, and, and you can see the potential of what that tree really could become you know i heard bishop jake say it like that you know what i mean you know but then you go forward pursuing it but you go forward pursuing it 
in fear and trembling. You know what I mean? But also, but it's exhilarating. You take the less you find it. But, but I think in the process, you have to be willing to be pliable, bendable. You have to be, you have to be uh, uh, um, teachable. You have to be, you got to be able to receive the good, the bad, even the tough and the easy things. You know what I mean? And I think, you know, overall, cumulatively, you become, you become uh, who you are. You know what I mean? If, if your heart is in the right place. So that's how I see, that's, that's how I saw the word from Coach Naruski to me. And, and, and that was the genesis of how and where I am today. Now, knowing that money is not the be all end all, but also realizing that money is important in the sense of it helps us support our families. It helps us support charities and others that we want to uh, help out. Did you ever, when you were making 500 bucks a month, working midnights, which I, I did that in the coaching high school in Chicago. So I know exactly Oh my goodness. Uh, God bless everybody who works third shift. The 11 at night till seven in the morning, you are a special person, not only for doing it, for, you know, staying awake and being cognizant of doing what you're doing, but your family and your relationships, that is unbelievably tough. But did you ever, as you also had, you know, being a lawyer, which, you know, I at least think all lawyers make a lot of money. I don't know. I could be wrong. Um, but did you ever during that time frame? you said you did that for about three years, did you ever think, oh, maybe I made a mistake here? You know, Mike, no. You know, my desire to go to law school, which I never did, because I wanted to wear suits like the guys in uh, uh, L.A. Law, Blair Underwood and Carbon Bergson. You remember L.A. Law? Those brothers oh, wore yeah. those, you know, uh, double-breasted suits. Them things were clean. You know, and I was like, that's what I want to do. You know what I mean? You know, it's just going to show the influence of TV. But, you know, <laughs> um, but it's true. Not every lawyer makes not every lawyer. There are a lot of lawyers out there in my mind. This is the world. This is a, this is a not. This is a person who's not a lawyer speaking about law. There are a lot of lawyers out there, but there are there are not a lot of good lawyers. You know what I mean? Good ones figure it out. I, I figured out this one. Second generation lawyers are the ones who really make the money, not first generation lawyers. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know because they're able to pass to inherit all of their father or mother's clientele, et cetera, et cetera. But for the most part. First generation lawyers are what I call the people who are plowing the field. You know what I mean? But uh, um, to, but to your question, you know, um, um, I never thought, I never, there was no time in my life where I thought, you know, man, you know, I'm in the wrong profession. There was no time. It was, it was some, it was something exhilarating about coaching a young woman who, for example, who was a 36 foot triple jumper. And you get them at Southwest Missouri State to jump 42 feet. Yeah. That was so exhilarating. That it was like playing golf and you don't know how to play golf, and you get that one shot that makes you that makes you want to come back and say, I'm going <laughs> tomorrow. And you know what I mean? And you know, you spend $18 back in early nights. That's a lot of money to play 18 holes. But one shot of the whole day, you'd be like, I'm going tomorrow, man. Let's go tomorrow. You know, and then your wife be like, we cannot afford this. <laughs> you know? You know, so it's just that one kid that ignites a fire in you and you be like, I can't, I, can't, I got to do it again. And then you see the others, you see the light goes on it, go on in the other kids' eyes because that one kid's doing it. And then all of a sudden you got a good little group, mm. you got a really good group. And then all of a sudden you start, it starts to beget others. And you, you can see that you can see, you can see the speck of light further down the road that you can, and you're saying to yourself, I could get there, I could get there. And that, that's for me, that's the way it was. I love it. I love it. 
so let's start on this journey. You're at um, now Missouri State as your GA. Do you go from there to Minnesota? I stayed there. I actually was hired as a full-time coach later there. Um, and then from there, I went, I stayed, I was at Missouri State in total. I left there in 95. Yeah. Um, so I was there from 89 to 95. And then I went to Minnesota and I was with Gary for a year. Mm. And, and then Lance called me and said, hey, I really want to, um, I'm interested in talking to you, but you just got to Minnesota. And I was like, you know, I was like, eh. I was like, okay, I love Gary, but here's an opportunity to work at the University of Arkansas, the track mecca that, I, you know what I mean? That I, you know, and, and so he was like, well, Gary's my friend. I said, I understand coach. I said, but let me talk to Gary. So we, Gary and myself talked. And it was, it was a tearful conversation. I mean, both of us were crying. That's one of the reasons we, I think we are so close to this very day. I mean, he's like a father and a big brother in the process. I mean, when I just recently was inducted into the Drake Relays Hall of Fame and he was there. You know what I mean? You know, we, we have been close ever since, even though it was a teary, um, emotional parting. You know what I mean? It wasn't a bad parting. It was just... And a you know, short time frame together. Very, very short. Yeah, was, that's interesting. Was, it, it, it was one of those short time frame, but man, we locked in us like brothers. And to this day, we are. You know, he's that big brother that I call on for wisdom at all times, you know? So, um, so lot, lots of questions there, Lonnie. So a lot of coaches, you know, we, um, and I, you know, hands up, I was guilty of this. We think that to do this job right, you've got to be at the power five. Like you, you know, that that's the whole Mecca in this world. Um, and like I said, uh, guilty. <laughs> I had what you talked about, that, that passion you mentioned about helping someone go from 36 to 42 and, you know, the light bulb and, um, you know, all that at Ball State with Sue Parks. Boy, what a great crew we had. And then I went to Mississippi State and loved it. Al Schmidt, Dudley, and those guys are still, Houston Franks, they're like family to me, uh, but it's different <laughs> at that level. But a lot of people are striving to either, you know, maybe they want to go from high school coach to a college coach or D3, D2 to D1 or D1 to Power 5. How did you go from a Missouri State, uh, yeah, Missouri State, to a Minnesota, what what was it? And you spent some time and obviously did well at Missouri State. Was it networking? Was it right place, right time? How did you make that move uh, to Minnesota? You know, to be honest with you, um, you know, I had, self-praise has no recommendation, my mother used to say. I was I was successful, I, I, I would say in my mind, I was successful at the Missouri Valley level. I think we were very, very competitive, you know, for the Missouri Valley and where we were, but there was a part of me that wondered what it would be like the next step up. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and, and the kids that God blessed me to work with, you know, like I said, they came in one way, but they left a completely different way. I mean, we had, at Missouri State, I was a jumps sprint coach. I mean, we had 26 foot long jumpers. We had mm -hmm. um, 54 foot triple jumpers. We had had guys running 50 point in the 400, 400 hurdles. Um, um, that's when, as a matter of fact, that's when Joey Woody was at, at, at Northern Iowa as a student athlete running for Bucky. Um, you know, I had, you know, female 400 hurdlers and like Melinda Silence running 56 seconds. Back then, then that was a number that was very, very sexy. You know what I mean? Um, you know, those are the things that God allowed me to do at, Mr. at Southwest Missouri State, at Missouri State. So, um, um, 
So you know, it, was, it was performing. It was the skill set. It was taking kids, making them from 61 second quarter mile hurdlers to 56 and that 36 triple or to 42. Yeah. Okay. Good. I, always, I always wondered what it would be like to be on the staff there. And so I, Gary had a job come open and I applied mm-hmm. and he hired my, my friend at the time, Angie, what was Angie's name? Um, Angie Taylor, Angela Taylor. And she was there for a couple of years and then his job came over. She got a, another opportunity to go back to the East Coast. And and I think with Cornell was Lou Doozing at the time, I think I could be dead wrong, but, and the position came open again. So I applied again, you know, and, you know, and, and uh, I remember I was at Drake Relays, my girl, Melinda Silence just run like 56 point win the Drake Relays in 400 hurdles. And I was walking up the steps and Gary stopped me. And he said, you're Lonnie Green. I said, yes, sir. He said, you applied for my job a few years ago. I said, yes, sir. He said, you know, my job is coming open. You know, would you be interested again? I said, I would be honored to come work with you. You know, I knew who he was, but I didn't know him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I knew who Gary Wilson was, but I didn't know him. And when he stopped me, I was like, whoa. And so anyway, we go to the national championships in Knoxville, Tennessee, 1995. Melinda finishes, I think, third or fourth in the 400 hurdles. She made the finals in, or, 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 or might have, I think she made the finals in the 100 Don't quote me. Uh, um, that's when Melissa Morrison was running. I think she won it at the time. Um, and, um, no, Melinda didn't make, she made the semi, she missed the final. And, um, anyway, long story short, I had a triple jump right another male 400 hurdle and I'm walking up the steps again. I applied. I hadn't heard anything from Gary Wilson. I'm like, well, I guess they went with somebody else. And here comes Gary Wilson walking. He and, he and Roy Griak walking. And I said, I said, Gary Wilson. I said, coach Gary Wilson. And he turned and he said, Hey, you know, and he said, you know, he said, I'm going to be in touch with you soon. You know, and I was like, okay, cool. You know, a couple of weeks later, you know, I go up and interviewed. And um, um, I didn't think, I, you know, I was going to get the job for political reasons. You know, they had an AD there at the time that did not want him to hire a male person, you know, just to keep it honest. And um, and anyway, long story short, you know, I, the Lord would have it that I, I, I won the job and um, moved to Minneapolis and Loved it there again. Like I said, Lance hired me a year later to Arkansas. And man, I, I got to see what you know the next level was. That it first made, time th- that first time that you applied for Minnesota, did you get an interview? No, I didn't even get an interview. Hey, listeners, there's a there's a great lesson right there. So this is, you know, we generalizing here, we like to say that all these jobs that open up every year. Uh, by the time they hit the uh, NCAA market or USTFCA's job listing, the decision's already been made. And, you know, we've had guests in the past, Mike Irv, go back to listen to Mike Irv from Indiana, how he got the job at Illinois. He didn't know Tanja at all and got the job based on his hustle and his uh, background experience and what he's done coaching. Here's another one. This is a great lesson here with Lonnie, who applied, did not get an interview, applied the second time and this is back before uh, email was prevalent and cell phone there were no cell phones so uh when, when Lonnie talks about not hearing that was kind of the normal back then you just didn't know you know <laughs> when's the mail coming I don't know <laughs> but Lonnie applied again had more experience coach Wilson had been able to see what Lonnie uh, had uh, put out there on the track uh, and then got the interview and the jobs. That's a that's a great lesson, Lonnie, because you could have done the ego thing and been like, wait a minute, I already applied. I'm not applying to those guys again. I'm better than them, blah, 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 blah. And, and you you know humbled yourself and said, all right, I'll, I'll try it again. And not only did it lead to a great job at University of Minnesota, but a great friendship 
in, in one of the greatest guys in our profession here, Gary Wilson. So I, I love that. Um, I don't know, perseverance and humbleness to, to get back and do it again. And let's see what happens. That's awesome. That's a great lesson there, Lonnie. So you're, you're at the, the U, the Minnesota, you're a golden gopher. Um, it's a little colder uh, up there than in some of the other places you've been to. <laughs> uh, and then, like you said, so it's interesting. We're noticing a theme of really high level mentors in your life from back your advisors to you know uh, Mike Anderson basketball coach your your surgeon friend uh Stan Naruski uh Gary Wilson and now here comes Lance Harder another hall of famer not only coach but person uh and you get to go to the great Arkansas which at that time you correct me when someone thought of Arkansas you had this bigger than life, John McDonald in the men's program and the women's program was, yeah, yeah, you're SEC, but you're not, you're not the men's program. How did you act? How did you react to coming into the SEC, which is from experience? Uh, we've said this before we hit the record button. I call it a bloodbath. Uh, how did you react coming into the SEC for the first time? You know, two things. I was afraid. I was scared. I wouldn't say afraid. I was scared. Because I was getting ready to get around, be around men like John McDonald, bless his soul. He's gone home to be with the Lord now. You know, Dick Booth, Steve Sylvie was there as the sprint hurdle coach at the time. Then I had an opportunity to follow Mylon Donnelly, who at that time had, been, who had coached the American record holder, Sheila Hudson. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, you know, now I'm working with Lance Harder, one of the winningest coaches at that point on the women's side in the NCAA Division II and was winning in Division I. And I'm like, jingle bells. And I remember every day at practice, I would be afraid, man. I would, I would be like, what if I'm not doing this right? What if they're looking at me like I'm stupid? Yeah. You know, all these things in the back of my mind. And, um, and, 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 and one of my athletes from Missouri State helped me with that. And his name is Jason Hanna, the young man who had run 50 points for me at Missouri State in 400 hurdles. He said, coach, man, I ain't taking nothing away from me. But man, I was a 55 second guy running over the hurdles and you got me 50 point. If you can't coach, I don't know what coaching is. So you need to stop being afraid and go ahead and do this. Mm. And literally, <laughs> wow. Literally, I became a man that day. Mm. from a kid saying those simple words. If you could get me from 55 seconds to 50 point, if that ain't coaching, I don't know what is. Man, go on and do this. And I had to, you know, I, I, I had to strap up and, and if people was gonna be critical of how I got to point A or from point A to point B, then they had to be. If it didn't look like what Steve Sylvia or Dick Booth was doing, then I had to be, and and, 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 and and I remember, and this is gonna seem as if I'm poking, but I'm not, but if, in the vein of being transparent and being real, I remember one day we did a workout, and then the next day, the male sprinters was doing a workout, then the next day we did a workout, then the next day they were doing, they were doing, the, the day after they was doing a workout, and I, and I noticed one of the girls, one of the young women said it to me, so I tested to see, and come to find out, Steve said, and, my, and, and myself had the same mindset, he was always a day behind what I was doing. And so we were, we were doing the same things. We had the same 
school of thought. We were coming from the same, how do you get kids fit, get them strong. But he was, I was always a day early. He was a day behind. You know what I mean? And then we eventually, I don't even know if you remember this. We, we, we eventually talked. We, we, we eventually talked and, and he was like, yeah, yeah, that's what I do. This is how I do it. Da, 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 da. And so we, the whole staff would run up in the trails at lunchtime every day. John, myself, Lance, Steve, we would run the trails up in Fayetteville every day at lunchtime. You know what I mean? And so he and myself were more of the slow crew. He, myself, and Dick Booth. And John and Lance would just crank through it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and so in our slow jogging, we were able to talk. You know what I mean? And as a result, we were, you know, we were able to exchange ideas and training on how to do things and come to find out I was doing it right, but I didn't have someone to affirm that. So I was with Dick Booth, man. This is the guy who coached Mike Carley and all these great people. I was with Steve Sylvie. This is the dude who coached Samuel Matete. You know what I mean? I mean, and I, who was Lonnie? Lonnie coached the little girl or the little guy who went 50 point or, or 42, 42 feet. You know, that, those numbers, there was night and day. You know what I mean? So, and, and then at that point, you know, I just started doing what I do. Now, I, I became a, a, a glutton for information after that. Though. Mm. I really made it a business to learn. You know, a lot of people who, who know me, some of the generals who are not in the game anymore, they would tell you, I would bleed their block for information. Mm. I would bug them about training. I would bug them everywhere I go. I would bug them. If I see them, we're going to talk training. I don't care if they're coaching at the garbage meet. We're going to talk. So tell me, how did you cycle into this? How did you do that? And I just would. I would just, I always had a pad and I was always just writing down, give me an idea of a workout and they'll give me a workout. And, you know, uh, uh, and I just, I would just go and try to apply it. Sometimes I was throwing everything out there and hoping to come up with something, you know what I mean? And now over the years of keeping logs and so on and so forth, I've come up with my own philosophy. People tell me what I do is a bit unorthodox. Um, mm. But what I do do, what I do know, it works. You know what I mean? What that, I do has that been your avenue for coaches education? Then I don't, did you do any formal, you know, USATF coaches ed, now USTFCA, or has that been more what I'd call mentorship, picking the brains of other people? Yeah, yes, yes, I did level one, and then I realized the level one didn't lend anything to me. And that, this again, I've said this publicly mm -hmm. in clinics, um, um, and I and level two in in attempting to do it, I realized that it didn't lend in, it didn't lend anything to development and most of what we do 99% of what we do in this profession is development mm -hmm. you know what I mean um in coaching you know in my humble opinion again this might not be worth peanut butter nor jelly to somebody but but to me you know um level two that's why I depart from the USATF or any of the various governing bodies I depart from it because it doesn't take into consideration me developing a 49 second kid to a 46 second kid it doesn't it, it, it deals with the 46 second kid who's trying to run 43 seconds it deals with the 51 or 52 second female who's trying to run 49 seconds you know i'm just using that that event as an example so i think it works but what you will see in my mind again i have no data to support it in my mind i think you will see the kid get really good in their senior or junior year or this the senior out of four years they have one good year and then because of that they chase it but in reality, they've, 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 they've spent the bank. You know, the bank is empty. You know what I mean? And they will never get the one or two might be able to, re, to, to, to reap a return and, and continue. But I, 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 that's what I've noticed. Whereas if you get a child in shape, 
get them strong. Let there be a metamorphosis in their physical physique. Talk to them about the nuances of the event. Show them the ins and outs. All of a sudden now, their freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year is solid. And now as a coach, you can say, yeah, that money we invested into Lonnie or Johnny or Michelle or Joanne was money well spent versus being frustrated for three years. And then in their fourth year, they become a beast for you. You know what I mean? That's what I've, that's what I've come to learn. And again, I've never, I've never, I ain't done no empirical study or anything like that. It's just what I've learned over experience. And yes, I got the knowledge I got through word of mouth, through mentorship, through latching on to men who was willing to pour into me. And as I tell, as I mentor, and I mentor quite a few young men and women, when they ask me, my response to them is simply, hey, let me pray about that. Let me, let me pray about that. And I'll get back with you when I get a release in my spirit to do that. And then when I do get a release, I'll say, I will do this under one condition. You do what I tell you. You can't ask me to be your mentor and then you do something completely opposite of what I tell you because you don't feel good or, you know what I mean? If you're gonna ask my, my counsel on it. And I always give them this right. I say, write everything down. Get a book, write it down. Write year after year after year. And I say, when, when you didn't show me you could, you, you, you've written everything down, I will, I will make a Xerox copy of everything that I've ever done to this point. And I'll send it to you. I say, eat what you can eat, spit what you can. You know, in other words, what you understand, use. What you don't understand, spit it out. So you're you know not I mean? surface level mentoring. This isn't, you know, hey, can I bug you once a week? It's like, oh, no, no, we're going to do this. We're going to commit to each other. Yeah. I'm going to put time into it. So if I'm going to put my time, which is valuable, I, I need a return from you of writing down everything, taking the copy, et cetera. That makes, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. And I, and I, I got logs from, from when I started. Wow. And, and I have trans... I've transcribed, transposed, have you, whatever is the appropriate word. I've transcribed those. And, you know, later when you look at it, you'd be like, wow, wow, that looks, you know, and, and you see it and it, it, it makes sense at that point after a year or two or three. And so I've, over the years, I've learned to, I've pulled what I know works and I've, I've kicked out what I know don't work, mm-hmm. you know, and I would say the proof would have to be in, in the result that we've gotten that the Lord has allowed me to get over the years. You know what I mean? That's yeah. my only proof. And I've, I've stood in clinics at the convention and and I've said exactly what I'm saying to you. There's nothing against the coaching education program, but I think it does not address development. Right. And I think if we can put that in black and white, I don't know who would be that, it ain't gonna be me. If we can put that in black and white, you know, um, and talk about bringing the babies along, you know, even if it's from the elementary level all the way to the point of developing the freshman who is the middle of the road kid that you offer 50% to, to get them to the point where they are 100% scholarship kid. You know, I think if we can find a way to put that in a box, I think, man, we would struck gold. Something you've described a couple of times, Lonnie, that we haven't put a, a label to, that there actually is a label to, is what they call imposter syndrome. Have you heard of that term before? No, sir, I have not. So it's quite common. There's some great books out there to read about it, but basically the vast majority of humans, so this isn't coaches, this is you as a coach, me as a a business professional, teachers, parents, we have this little voice in our head sometimes that says that we're not good enough. It says that, oh, now that I'm a head coach, uh, yeah, what are you doing here? You're not a head coach. You're, you're an assistant coach. Or uh, as a parent, I have two children for myself. There's times where that little voice gets on head and says, 
you're not a good dad. You don't deserve these kids. You didn't have the upbringing that you're trying to impart on them. This is imposter syndrome. You've described it twice now when you talked about, uh, oh, I, I don't know that I can be a coach. I don't have this exercise phys, this kinesiology degree. I'm not uh, worthy enough, good enough. I don't have the education for it. Um, and then you described it again when you got to Arkansas and you're like, Who, who's Lonnie Green? I'm here with Dick Booth and Sylvie and John and Lance. I, I'm not supposed to be at this level. And it's, it's, but then you gave that story of your former athlete who, um, what's the word here? I don't want to say gave you recognition, but kind of almost like told you to shut up and was like, wait a minute, coach. Uh, I don't want to hear this crap. If you can coach me from here to here, by the way, that was a big ending for that kid. Not like, you know, you took him from a 60 second quarter hurdler to 55, which is still coaching. That's great. But they went to 50 point, which that's a number, right? You were on 50 point. You're, you're legit. That kid, like basically in my language was like, Hey, uh, shut up. What are you talking about? You, you are a coach. You are worthy. If you can't coach, then I don't know what is coaching. Uh, you know, it's, so you had to have that reaffirmation. That's what it is that affirmation of, someone that you know maybe you didn't know saw that in you you just thought he was a good athlete and you guys got to work and had fun but he saw that in you he he reversed that Stan Naruski from saw coaching in you to he he had to be the the coach to you and be like hey Lonnie yeah yeah coach you, you are worthy you are this is the right level for you um, and it's interesting the imposter syndrome is something that we sometimes miscue for humbleness of like oh you know it's just me, uh, you know, I know I'm, I'm not really supposed to be here in Arkansas, but you know, we'll see what happens. That's kind of fake humility is what that is. So I love that your, your openness and authenticity of describing it without even knowing what it was of just like, yeah, I don't, I don't know that I belong, but okay. I had some affirmation and it sounds like you haven't said these words, but I'm going to put these words in your mouth here a little bit. No one's going to outwork me. I'm going to go find out who I'm supposed to be talking to and figure it all out to where I am supposed to be here. And God bless. Look at the Arkansas results. You did that, my friend. <laughs> you know, I would, I, Mike, I would go, not to cut you off, I would go and when I see LSU when I was at Minnesota, Missouri State, I would go watch their warm-ups. Mm. I would go and just, what are they doing differently we're not doing? I would follow them around because they were the standard on the women's side at the time. Certainly. And watch and just pick up what I could pick up in the short time of watching what they do. And then I would come back and implement it. And then I would see how things got better in a, in a particular area that maybe one of our babies might have been struggling in because we implemented that little piece. And over time, we were able to, to, you know, to cook the entire stew or bake the entire cake and had our own way of doing it while accomplishing the things needed to be accomplished in coaching young people. When we kicked off today's interview, and I said, how are you doing? You gave me your, and, and it, it's your line you use with everybody because it is you. I, I, if you have tattoos, I'm sure this has to be tattooed on you somewhere. I am blessed. That is your, like I see Lonnie, I am blessed green. That's how I think of it. Has, has that been your, um, I'm going to call it a motto and that may be overstating what it is, but you know, your, 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 your charisma there of I am blessed, your, your attitude, that's what it is, your attitude. Has that been from day one, like when you were an undergrad at Missouri, at Murray State? Or is that something, like I almost thought about it when that kid told you, like, hey, coach, man, if you, if you ain't coach, I don't know what coaching is. I don't know if that was maybe a light bulb moment of like, yeah, wait a minute, I'm blessed here. Why, why am I having some of these self-doubts here? There's a bigger power that's helping me do the things that I do. When did that I am blessed attitude really come for you? 
My God, I've walked with God all my life. <laughs> why, why, why do I do when I talk about things like this? I get all sissy. I become a big sissy. I've walked with the Lord all my life, man. Um, I've known, I've had a relationship with God my entire life. I can't sit here and tell you that, you know, um, man, I met a guy and he introduced me to the Lord. Man, I, I came to the Lord from I was like seven years old. Um, have I deviated from that like most young people do trying to see what it's like? Yeah. You know, you know, my faith walk was, 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 you know, I, I, I've known, I knew how to get on my knees and pray from I was a little boy, you know what I mean? Um, and, and I know how to do it to this day. I've never deviated. I've done some things that you, I, I guess the Lord looked down and say, son, that ain't it. Get out of that. You know? Um, but the beautiful thing about having a relationship with God is personal. It's between you and the Lord. So when you know you've fallen short, you can open up your mind and say, Lord, forgive me. You know what I mean? Help me to do this the right way. Um, um, I've, 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 I, I came to realize how blessed I am. You know, if you know my journey coming from the Bahamas, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And to see God open opportunities to me, what people would consider hard, I didn't consider hard. And, and I, I you know, I've prayed so many prayers in my lifetime. I think I, I, I vaguely remember praying something like, God, if you, if you, if you do this for me, I, 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 I would, I would never be ashamed of the gospel. So I, you know, I live my faith out loud. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm not politically correct when it comes to that. I'm not going to force my faith on nobody, but I'm going to live my faith out loud. I'm not one of those persons who, who gets all, um, 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 all discombobulated because of separation of church and state. I'm not that, you know, in, in defense of the faith uh, of Jesus Christ, you know what I mean? Um, um, everybody has a voice except those of us who, who, who confess our, our, our belief in God. We're the only people that seem to be to be stifled, to be gagged. You can't talk about that, but the Buddhist can talk about it. The, the Muslim can talk about it. The this person can talk about it, but not the Christian. So, I, you know, I, for me, I'm a son of God. I'm a son of, of, of the Most High. I'm, I depend on him. I get up in the morning and the first thing that comes out of my mouth is, good morning, Holy Spirit. Welcome into my day. Welcome into all that I do and all that I say. In Jesus' name. And then I might go into reading the word. And then I might pray. You know, that's just my life. That's been my life. You know what I mean? I don't do that to impress people. It is who I am. You know, I, I, we started this podcast to bring as much for two things. One is to uplift and honor uh, the coaches that join us here uh, on the podcast. And then also to bring as much value to those who humbly listen to us on a weekly basis. I get so much value out of this, Lonnie. Lonnie, I've known you for... 20, why it just means I'm old. I've known you for 20 something years. Every time that I have heard you say I am blessed, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna just be transparent here. I always thought it was, yeah, I am blessed. Look, I coach at Arkansas or I coach at Purdue or now at Kentucky. Uh, yeah, I am blessed, Mike, because did you see what my four by four team did? I am blessed, Mike. You see what we did at conference? We won the conference. That's how I always saw I am blessed for you. And now to learn that, oh no, no, this I am blessed is. Uh, 10 20 30 layers higher here that you're blessed because of the love of jesus christ in your life yeah yeah I, I love that that's me you know what i mean i mean i you know i've had friends who've gone home to be with the lord for whatever reason i have people i know you know who've been challenged in some way or the other but even though i've had my challenges god brings me through so that's just me man i you know you know i don't make any excuses for it you know have i been been, been, been challenged by working at a university and someone accusing me of 
because I pray or because I live out loud. Yeah, I've had to go before people and say X, Y, Z. I remember a story. I let the situation remain nameless, but I had to go and, you know, and defend my faith. And I said, y'all, you know, I prefer to go down and get this one wrong. You know, because I said, but I'm not going, I'm not going, I'm not going to back up. I said, if I did something wrong, I apologize. But I prefer to go down and get this one wrong before I, 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 I succumb to this. Before I succumb to this, I, I always tell people this, and then you know, then I'm gonna shut up. You know, if, if if I'm wrong about my eternity, about my if I'm wrong about Jesus Christ and my faith, then I then 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 I've wasted my life. But if I'm right and you're wrong, you've wasted your eternity. You see what I'm saying? That's the way I see it. You know what I mean? Now that's just me. You know. So for me, I mean. I prefer to go down and get this one wrong. Now, I'm claiming 120 years because I want to see my grandchildren grow old. I want to hang out with them and do some stuff. You know, the New Testament says the Lord gives us, promises us three scores and 10, that's 70. So, but I, but the Old Testament says 120. I'm claiming the 120. You know what I mean? So, you know, I want to still be in good strength at 100 and still be able to go watch a football game with my grandson or my great-great-grandson, whatever the case may be, you know, so. If I, anybody if, can do it, Lonnie, you can. I ain't going to doubt you on that one at all, man. <laughs> I'm wrong, man. I wasted I, my life. If, 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 if anything else is wrong, hey, you know how it goes. You know, go I, ahead. I love the intersection of faith with that imposter syndrome that I talked about because <laughs> you know that that little voice in your head that tells you, you know, I wasn't good enough or I didn't have the right degree or um, who am I to be at the SEC? That that ain't coming from God. <laughs> God's the one saying, no, no, wait a minute, I put you here for a reason. <laughs> wait a minute, how are you doubting me? I put you here. <laughs> you are spot on. You are spot on. You are so spot on, Mike. You are so spot on, brother. Oh, you are so man. I love it. I, I, can, I, can I tell you this quick story real quick? Please. I got to Purdue and um, um, you know, and I I I started when I got there, I heard all these stories about you gotta do it this way, you gotta do it this way, you know, this is a real big think tank, and da 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 da. And I started to acclimate to that. I'm going to be very honest with you. I started to acclimate to, you know, all right, I can't talk about this. I can't talk about that. And Mike, there was a period of time when the kids would come into my office and all I was doing was breaking down crying for no reason. Hmm. I was like, and finally I said, Lord, what's going on? Why is this happening? And, 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 and um, in, doing the, in doing so, I got this word in my spirit and it said, I put you there for a purpose. Who are you to get politically correct with, with me? I mean, I heard that so clear yeah. in my spirit. Day. I was like, I closed the door, I prayed, I repented. And then I, I just started living. I started living and being me. And then all of a sudden, there were more people coming at Purdue to my office just for us to talk about the word of God, prayer. I mean, all of a sudden, I realized why I was there for the season in the period of time that I was there. Yeah. I don't know if it was an ignition of to encourage people in their faith. I don't know what it was, but I do realize that there were a whole lot of people who were touched and encouraged in their faith walk because they were challenged in that environment of what I call the world system, where if it isn't provable in the world of academia, it's not real. You see what I'm saying? And again, this is nothing against Purdue because I love the place. I love the people there. It was it was awesome. But 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 God hit that hit me so hard with that 
And, and after repenting, Mike, man, I don't care where I go. If you're going to cut me loose because of me living my faith out loud, then I wasn't supposed to be there. That was a decision I made in my flesh. And I don't make too many decisions in my life without praying. I don't do too, very, very seldom do I make a decision as it pertains to my family, my career, my finances, what I do without falling on my face and say, Lord, is this the right thing to do? Show me if it's not, let there be an issue. Let there be a problem. Let me see something before we commit. And lo and behold, every time I pray like that, I'm recruiting the Mountain Dew bottle. The Mountain Dew bottle is going to do something for me to go, hey, let's push back off that one. And let's go with the Pepsi instead. You know what I mean? I mean, even business, when me and my wife to conduct business, I was like, Lord, if this is not for us, close these doors. Show me something that will make me push back. You know what I mean? And I've lived by that model and it's never, it's never fair. I mean, I say this, even in recruiting, Mike, every baby that I recruited in my career, almost, I would say 90%, 95% of I prayed them in. And I'm going to be honest with you. The ones I pray in always works out. And the ones I just got excited about and, and, and get, it's like pulling teeth to get mm -hmm. the end result. I don't know why. Maybe that's just the way, that's my course and the way I'm supposed to go about it. Yeah. You brought up Purdue. Let's start working towards there because that was a big day. How many years were you at Arkansas? I was at Arkansas for seven, 16 years. 16 years. That's a long time as an assistant under a great head coach. You now take the leap to Purdue, where now you're the head coach. And one of the most impressive things, and I've talked to you about this before, when you got to Purdue, Purdue was on a slump. And it's hard in these big conferences to make big moves quickly. Now, you, you know, a lot of times we talk about a four to five year cycle, right? You get whatever your kids is and, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, but you got to get them in and coach them. And you're not in a small conference. So it's, you know, you got to coach them to a high level. But you came in with a new staff at Purdue and there was a rapid rise in the performance level as a team, like uh, I, no research here. So kind of like you said, don't, you know, don't quote me here, but like Purdue might've been like 10th in the big 10. And then you were in the top four or three quickly. Uh, and then a lot more kids going to nationals. What was it? Cause when you become a head coach for the first time, there's so much that you had no clue about as an assistant that you're just guarded from, you don't have to do and have to think about now it's on your plate to do. You had to get a staff. That on itself is its own big you know, nut to crack. How were you able to learn the head coaching duties, all the things that you had not had in your purview as an assistant? So you had to learn all those things, put together a staff, and raise the level of the track and field performances. How were you able to do that so quickly? What's that secret sauce that you put there as a Boilermaker? To be honest with you, God, you know, I, that, that's what I call supernatural. Hmm. You know, I, have a, I pray, I pray like this sometimes when I pray with the kids before we compete, I, I ask God in the hearing, in, I speak this into the hearing, that he would take his super and put it with their natural and what they do becomes supernatural, you know, and I think that was the supernatural part of it. Um, when I took over the program, I realized that the only thing we could do was just work and it'll go up because we were already at the bottom or the backside of the Big Ten. Um, that was one easy thing to accept. The other, the other part was really trying to, to, to literally um, um, convince young people whose, whose brain operated a little different than the normal Division One kid. 
I think kids in the Big Ten, they're so academically motivated. There's a different breed of babies, you know, as I refer to them. You know, kids in the Big Ten and the Ivies, they could compete with kids in the SEC, the Big 12, the ACC, but, but they have a different, the picture that they see is different. They see the same picture, but they see all the nuances of the picture. And when I say that, Lonnie is coming into Purdue and I want a mechanical engineering or biomedical engineering degree. That is what I'm going to do. That is going to be my life's work. And nothing is going to deter me from that. I don't care if I got to grovel and scratch. I'm going to get that degree. Track is a means to an end. I'm going to run big for you, but, 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 but this is more important. You know what I mean? Which it really should be. That's the way it really should be. You know what I mean? Now, well, when I said, but with that being said, because their brain is wired differently, you know what I mean? You have to be able to show them the benefit of what, what you're doing benefits you. And when it makes sense in that type of brain, mm. that baby will stand up there with a knife and, and, and they'll come to a gunfight with a knife <laughs> and say, let's go. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Because they know, I think big brain, and I could tell you this, I'm gonna pick on my wife. My wife is the biggest brained person I know. She's ultra intelligent. And simple things that I would say to her, bless my baby soul, heart, she would, I don't understand it, but if I put it in a way that she understands, oh, she's going to take that, run with that, and I mean exponentially multiply it because she understands and sees the picture. I think that's it. And I don't know if that makes sense to what I'm saying to you as you listen to me, but I think kids, young athletes who have a bigger brain, you have to let them see what you're doing, how it applies and how it makes sense. And then you have to develop a relationship, a pure relationship with them to let them know that you care not just about their athleticism, but you care about them and their future and their, as a person. And I think once you get to that space, it, it, it takes off. They, they compete. Now they're going to get beat, but they're going to continually get better. And you do the same thing with the people around you. You take care of your staff. You fight. I mean, the first three years, all I was doing was fighting to get my staff to a place where they could be comfortable. I know what it is to work and not be compensated adequately to take care of your home right. and having a job or having to develop a second hustle. I know that. So I always felt like if there's something I'm going to do, no assistant who works for Lonnie Green is going to be able to say, man, I ain't making no money. If he or she says that, you know, eventually we'll talk and if they can't seem to be, um, it would be doing suffice, then we just going to have to part ways. Cause I know when I go into those meetings, the first thing I always say was, I got to take care of my people. I got to take care of my people. I remember one of my reviews at Purdue, um, I went in there, we had just got, I think we had won the Big Ten. Yes, we had won the Big Ten. And um, and uh, Morgan was, Morgan Burke, bless his soul, he's now gone home to be with the Lord, great man. Um, he was like, uh, if you did my review, I said, I just need to get my people where they're comfortable, man. I need to know that these guys can go on vacation and not lose their minds on how they can pay the credit card bill. You know what I mean? I said, I need to get them to that space. And all I did was I fought for what was good for them. And he agreed, and we came to some some other boys that thumbs up for the numbers for the assistance. And then he said, oh, we're going to do something for you. I never asked for anything for me. And I remember talking to Calvin Williams, my supervisor at the time. I said, Calvin, it is my duty to fight for my assistance. It's your duty to fight for me. You know what I mean? And he, you know, and he would be like, yeah, I'm working on it. I said, no, you said to get you here. We did that in two years. <laughs> You told me that y'all want me just to stay in the middle. The Lord blessed it greater than that. We're in the upper half. We're inside 25. I remember we were talking about the bonus structure at Purdue. And 
you know, the bonus structure was a basketball bonus structure. So I went into them and I said, you know, we go from 64 to 33, I mean to 32, and then to 16, and then to eight, and then to four, and then whatever have you. I said, but your goal is for us to maintain this 3.0 and be in the top 25. But you're not rewarding me for 25. You're rewarding me for 64. You're rewarding me for 32. That doesn't make sense to me. Hmm. I said, it's a pure sport. It's the purest sport known to man. It's the it's mano y mano. It ain't no three defensive linemen stopping one a, a, a running back. I said, no. I said, track. Oh, I said, so. I said, so. Why, why you, why, if I'm inside 25, I'm going from 32 to 16 and you're, you're ignoring 25, 20, 15 or whatever. I mean, uh, 17, 18. I said, that doesn't make sense. And the lady in, I'm going to let her remain because I don't want to get, oh, she was there. She was good. She said, he's right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Hmm. They want to see, you know, he's right. And they changed our bonus structure because you weren't rewarding me for the goal that you, you had as a departmental right. uh, thing. And would you reward me for the lesser? You know, that didn't make sense for me. You know, we were still finishing 18th and 16th and 15th, and but you weren't rewarding me for that. You were rewarding me for 32. That didn't make sense. You weren't rewarding me for 25 when that's the goal of your department. That didn't make sense. And anyway, you know, I always fought for those things. I always fought. I had good teachers in John McDonald, Lance Harder. They would always tell me how they would be in there and they're fighting for this and they're fighting for that. And, and, and literally, they would make the administrators see this is what we're doing in the trenches. You know, this is what we're doing and this has to be acknowledged. This in some way or form, this has to be acknowledged. And I took that with me and, and, and God honored that. And as a result of him honoring that, taking care of people, we were continually succeed, su successful. I, I, I don't know if it's a secret sauce as much as, as, much as it is taking care of people, mm. making sure people including coaches and staff and athletes were taken care of to the best of our ability. Because a lot of people in our profession, we get to the leadership seat and we get an opportunity to sit before our leaders, but we, 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 we cower up, we, we climb it down. We, we don't, they don't go forth in faith. They get afraid to ask the question. And I've figured this much out. The worst they could tell me is no. And then I'm going to ask you why. You know what I mean? I don't compare myself to what volleyball or basketball or football or baseball is doing. I focus on what track and field is doing because that's my charge. You know what I mean? And I and you got to be why because I got to then go back to my staff and say, hey, they said no. And I tell them, I said, look, if these people are doing a good job, big bank takes little bank all the time. It never fails. So if you want to keep this together, look at the programs in this country who are successful. Their staffs have been together for a New York minute. Mm -hmm. There, the, the staffs where you see that there's a a, a door back door where people going in and out of. I said, I, you show me that, I'll show you a program that's struggling. Mm -hmm. show, I show you a program that's, that's very very successful. Look at the staff; they've been together for a long time. There is no there is no in and out. There's there's some longevity with each other. So and mm -hmm. they they. You made a great statement of as the head coach, your job is to fight for your assistants. And as your sports supervisor, their job is to fight for you. As a lifelong learner, what I've noticed, you know, now having you know, I coached for 10 years and now being on this side, there's a lot of opportunity for coaches to work on their skill part of their profession, how to become a better jumps coach, a better distance coach, et cetera. Uh, there's not a lot of opportunities to learn how to be a better leader 
when you're listening to this now here, the week of NCAAs, a couple of weeks ago, we had J.B. Pollard, the AD of Iowa State on the podcast. And I specifically asked him, like, what do you look for when you are going to hire a coach? And he talked about the skill set at first, but he said, honestly, because I think coaches over index on that part. Now you got to be good at your skill. You got to be able to take that 36 foot triple jumper to 42. He goes, but I think coaches over index on that. He goes, it's about leadership and relationship. A lot of the things that you're talking about here, Lonnie, but you didn't have any kind of, I don't want to assume I'm going to assume. And then you can correct me. When you became the head coach at Purdue, nowhere had you besides watching Lance and watching John no one had ever sat you down and said, hey, so Lonnie, when you're building a staff, here are some things that you need to consider when you're looking for your sprints coach, your distance coach, your throws coach, your director of ops, et cetera. Uh, you had to take your life philosophy of relationship and uh, what you believe in uh, your faith and how it intersects with work. But there was no formal like, you know, here's a here's a red flag during an interview process you know, look out for. Um, we're starting to get a little bit better, it seems like, at the uh, convention. Like, there's some assistant coaches, uh, tracks, not, not just how to coach long jump. It's, you know, how to uh, time management or whatever, you know, the different things we have there. Would you have – I don't know that you could have because the, the lightning speed of what you took the program to, but could you – do you believe that – and maybe not necessarily in your example, but other examples that you've seen, do you think the level of – rising could have gone quicker or maybe had less speed bumps because you know let's not paint a rosy picture here it wasn't all fast lane highway everything was perfect right do you think you could have minimized some of those speed bumps and hiccups if there had been some kind of I'm gonna call it leadership training but you know how to be a head coach 101 like here are the things that you are going to have to consider that we just don't have right now in the NCAA coaching ranks yes and no yes and no I say yes because it would have made it would have given me a little more solace, a little more peace um, as I made decisions, especially things about budgets and so on and so forth. And when I tell you, when you fall in your face and ask God for wisdom, He will give it to you. You just got to be bold enough to follow it. Secondly, I said no because I think no matter how good of a leader or a coach you are, you have to deal with the politics of the, the of the institution in which you're you're, you're hired, sure. you're hired or hired in. You know, you got to figure out the nuances, where they are, the philosophy of the leader, the AD, um, what, he, what is personal to him or her, you know, um, what's important, what is not important, um, is track and field just a, a, a counter, it's just a versus what are their commitments to, to wanting to move the sport or be supportive of the sport. Um, so I think some of those things, there's no, I don't think there's a class that you can take for that, because you can take and read all the leadership books you want to. And I, I've gorged myself in those things, you know, but but um, I think there's going to come a time when you as a leader have to be stern and strong in who you are, confident in who you are as a man or a woman or as a leader and say, this is what is right. I think you can't, you can't, you can't go and assume they know. Right. Even if they do know, I think you still have to speak. You know what I mean? You still have to let those words come from your from your lips to their ear um, as it pertains to, you know, what you need and how you need it. Now, I think what happens with a lot, it, and this is just me, I don't know this, but what happens, I think a lot of people ask for a whole lot and then they don't do anything with it. There's never a return to what they get. I think if you're going to ask, you got to be prepared to really 
give a return. I think one of the biggest compliments I ever got was from Mitch Daniels, the president of Purdue University after the 2018 um, NCAA championship, 2017 and 2018, and Big Ten NCAA championship outdoors. He said, he, he, he called me and then he, he put a, 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 a tweet or a text, a, a, a post out there. He said, he said, hey man, great job. You, you exceeded our expectations. You know what I mean? Um, and then he said, he, he said, kudos to track and field. Great job. You guys have done, ex you know, something to the effect like, again, y'all have, have exceeded our expectations. Better than we could have thought. Right. Yeah. Yes. And I believe, I always thought you could do that at Purdue. I, Gary Wilson taught me something years ago. Man, if you work hard, you could be successful anywhere. You know what I mean? And, and, and even though you might be meeting resistance of people who doesn't see your vision, you know what I mean? And I tell people all the time, you, you can't give your vision to everybody because then they try to put what they think it should look like on your vision. The Bible says, don't let your left or your right hand know what, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. You know what I mean? There are things I will talk about and there are things I will not talk about to people because they will always have some way of, 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 of giving you their two cents worth. And when they do, you got to, again, go back to what I said earlier. You got to know what to chew and what to spit out. You know what I mean? So, and sometimes if you're not careful, if you meet a strong personality, you will take on that and think all that you had wasn't completely right. And in reality, it was. Right. You have to do it your way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Edward Floriel said to me when I got to Purdue, he was poking fun at me. And I, you know, we, we, we bug each other a lot. And he said to me, and he said, Lonnie, do it your way. Because if it don't work, you're going to fall on the sword. Mm. Don't let no one tell you how to do this. Mm. You know? And, you know, as hard as that statement may seem, because you want to work in synergy one with another, you know, he was right. He is right. Not was, he is right. Right. You know what I mean? And, and, and so, you know, how you get to success is always going to be different from the other guy. You know what I mean? How you get to that place of success is always going to be, is always going to look different to the other guy. It's always going to be a different, what he did is doing at Texas, is it, 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 what we might be doing the same thing, but we're doing it different. Right. What Miles has done in Florida, you know what I mean? He's doing, he's doing the same things, but we're doing it differently. You know what I mean? How you get there, you have to navigate the political realm. You got to na navigate the the, the 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 administrative realm. You got to navigate the traditional lack thereof of tradition and what you're doing, and you're trying to create tradition. The whole night, you just have to you have to, you have to, you have to know how to sidestep landmines, land landmines, and and still get to the other side and, and be successful at what you do. One of my favorite quotes from Bruce Schexnader is, "You the coach, be the coach." And what I heard you say right there is, you're the leader, be the leader. Don't, don't try to do it someone else's way, because if it don't work, you still, you're going to be the one holding the bag at the end of the day. So uh, be prepared, do it your way, and, and continue to take input, obviously, with other people. You know, so, I, tell, I tell you this, my, my, old, my pastor back in Arkansas, he's still my pastor, even though I have a, a strong pastor in Lexington. He used to tell me from, 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 from the scripture, he always used to tell the men in our church, in our men's group, he said, take courage and be a man, you know? He would tell us, he said, take courage and be a man. He said, you know, it, 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 it's, it's hard to be your authentic self. It takes strength to be yeah. your authentic and, and, and I've always lived by that. You know, uh, you know I'm not going to be the one always talking in the room. Uh, I'm one who's going to listen. But then when I do speak, I'm going to say what I believe in my heart is the right thing. You know what I mean? I mean, we had an issue. We had a, <laughs> let, me, let you know, we, was, we, were, we had this recruiting meeting. Boy, you know, money was tight. We, everybody needs this for this kid and that kid. And, um, you know, and I, I started to, to press my staff, really pull on them. 
and, and it got the room got really, really eggshell. You know, if you know, people were trying to walk on eggshells, didn't want to offend anybody. I said, y'all, let me help you. Man. It is my duty to stretch you. It is my duty to make sure what we're going to invest in is going to give us a return. Don't take this personal. Mm. Don't take this personal, man. You know, you know, that's I'm going to stretch you. Don't be offended at it. I'm not mad at you. I'm just making sure you vetted this thing out properly. I said, it ain't personal. I say, so don't get upset. When we get out of this meeting, I'm gonna tell y'all, let's go eat. <laughs> you know what I mean? See, now, yeah. you don't, that, that, you, that's what I talk about leadership development right there, there a lot, though, mm -hmm. Lonnie. Because so the empathy that you have to show there as the leader, because you're right, it's not personal, but when you flip it the other way and you put yourself in the other coach's shoes and that coach is just an example is asking for 60% and you're saying, yeah, I'm not sure. I think this kid's really 40 because of the return on investment. Cause those are all things as a head coach you've got to look at. You only, it's a business. You have X amount of money to, to invest and you need to produce a much bigger why when it comes to the, the conference and national meets. Right. So it's hard for that other, for your assistant coach to see that you're not making a person. It's like, man, I'm telling my head coach, Give me the 60 because I'm going to make this kid an All-American 100 times over. So you as a leader, you have to have that empathy of like, hey, I know what you're going through. I understand. It's not personal. Uh, here, here's my reasons why and, and how we're going to move forward. That's the part of, of a head coach that I'm not sure. Um, and by saying I'm not sure, it's not. It, that's not addressed anywhere. Uh, we, we sometimes see these strong figureheads that it's like, no, if you're the head coach, you just put your fist down and tell that guy or gal, you're not going to get this money. Well, you're probably going to have that staff that turns over a lot to, to what we talked about earlier. I think that's where mentorship comes into play. Yeah. I think where, where, you know, a, a coach has got to be able to pick up the phone and call Mike Cunningham and say, hey, man, man, what do you think? What do you think? How do you think I should approach this? And, and, and because the, the mentor has, has that experience, he can go into his well and say, approach it this way. Mm. Don't go and do this because they might feel a little like you're barking at them. Approach it this way. Do this and I think you'll be okay. Mm. You know, and if they tell you no, say this. You know what I mean? For me, at Purdue, to be honest with you, I went to Sharon Bursup's office, the, the head women's basketball coach, and I sat down with her and I said, Sharon, I got to get paid some more money and my staff got to get paid some more money, man. I said, I said, this paradigm is on its head. I left Arkansas as an assistant of a women's program to come to Purdue as the director of the program. And man, I'm, you know, I know it was a decision I made, but we've shown success. We've given you success, you know what I mean? Um, uh, oh Lord, forgive me, Mike. Okay. <laughs> uh, I said, we've shown, we've shown, we've demonstrated success. Why are we, why are we, you know, why, why aren't I getting compensated as such? Right. I left her office and went over to, to the uh, volleyball coach, Dave Shondell, and I was like, Dave, and he, he gave me how I should talk to Morgan. What should you say? Mm. You know, and then I went to my supervisor. What I did was I sought counsel mm. from people. The Bible says there's safety in the multitude of godly counsel. I just did what the word said. You know what I mean? That's how I lived my life. I did what the word said. Mm. You know what I mean? And when I was able to do that and then boom, it, they got me to a place where I was like, okay, I'm comfortable, I'm good. Yeah. You know, don't get me wrong now. I would do this without pay, but I've come to know that, you know, uh, uh, the Bible says that a workman is due his wages. You know what I mean? So, you know, yeah. I, I, I want to say, I, I fight as an advocate of coaches. I fight that statement when you say, 
because you're not the only one because coaches are some of the most humblest people in the world. I mean, we work for other people's children, right? So I hear that all the time of, oh, I, I do this for free. And that's great. Cause right. What do they tell you? Find a job that you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Right. Like find a job that, that you do for free and didn't do it so well that they'll pay you a lot of money for it. Right. That kind of thing. But you know, we, it's this weird I don't know, dichotomy or whatever, but it's this weird balance of people and coaches who, you know, say, oh, I would do it for free. It's, I just do it for the kids. But it's also like, yeah, but you're worthy. Like what you're doing is has value, this skill set, all these things that you do to learn and become better, that, that's value that you need to be compensated for. Not so that you can go buy a yacht. <laughs> I'm not asking for, uh, you know, Elon Musk money. I would love for coaches to be making Elon Musk money. But I do want... Uh, to your point about what you said about your assistants, about our about your assistants, I want them comfortable. I want them not having to worry about paying that credit card bill, having to being able to make their mortgage and have a house that then take the vacations for their kids and support their parents, man. So I so anytime I hear like when you started saying, I was like, I start shaking my head. I, I just dislike that. Uh, I, I know where you're at. I know it's your heart. It's like you know, I do this for free. It's like yeah, yeah, no, no, but you deserve to be paid. Oh yeah. Okay, let's start wrapping up here because what I thought was interesting is these last two positions that you've had this Purdue head coach and now the head coach you're back in the SEC baby you must uh you must not have learned anything you jump right back into the bloodbath uh, a worse bloodbath because they added two schools and they're about to add two more for crying out loud but you, you 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 took those head coaching positions those two Kentucky and Purdue in really again outside looking in vastly different stages of their lives if you will so Purdue was struggling when you came in you had to build a lot quickly and you did it at supersonic coach green speed for crying out loud you take over a Kentucky program from a good friend of yours uh, one of the another just great guy getting this you know you talk about counsel man these people you have around you are just amazing uh, so Edric Florio came from you know Stanford to Kentucky uh, a lot of people second guessed him right like a lot of people I imagine second guessed you it was like wait a minute you're in Arkansas why are you going to you know lower bottom Big Ten here I don't care if it's head coach or not. This seems like a mistake. Uh, Edric, you're coming from Stanford, doing really good things. You're going to go to, because Kentucky was a, a bottom tier SEC school. But now, so Edric raised the, the bar figuratively and realistically, and you know they, they did a lot of good things. You now take over that program as he goes to Texas. You're in a, it, That's a different stage. So the things that you did that worked at Purdue probably didn't, maybe didn't even need to be done at Kentucky, but different yet different problems, if you will, that had to be overcome at Kentucky. How did that, as you compare your first two seasons at Purdue versus your first two seasons at Kentucky, what were some of the changes, the, the lessons that you learned from Purdue and new things that you had to learn at Kentucky? I don't think there was, there were not, there weren't, there weren't a lot of differences, to be honest with you. I, hmm. I stayed, I stayed with the value that I bought and that was to take care of people. Uh -huh. to take care of young people and take care of my staff. You know what I mean? Make sure they're good. Make sure they're in a good space. Therefore, if they're in a good space, they could do good work versus, you know, not being in a good space and having to struggle to to support their families because they they thought they was taking a step up. You know what I mean? Um, treating young people like I would want someone to treat my own children. You know what I mean? I tell people all the time, I ain't gonna cuss with my children. I don't, you know, my, if, 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 if you ask one of my children that, my son will say, uh, my dad who never he never cussed at me. You know, I might use the, the damn word, but 
I've never used an air word, you know, towards them. You know, I remember when we released him to the University of Arkansas. I remember he, my oldest son, he played foot down, football down at U University of Arkansas, Pine Bluff. And I told the coach, I said, man, I raised him like a man. I said, but uh, I've never cussed at him. Now I understand football is a different world. If you cuss at him, I don't know what you're going to get, bro. Right. I don't know what you click on you. I don't know. He might, he might lose it. So this guy cussed me, dad, and I did this. And, you know, and, uh, but so at the end of the day, you know, I think nothing really, it was nothing different. I knew the expectation was different because I think my, my predecessor had raised the bar. He had won three trophies or four trophies in, in the space of six years. You know what I mean? And I knew we were going to get there. When, when we got here, all of what was here, not everything stayed, you know, because, you know, they came for him. And, and rightly so, he had done an outstanding job. I mean, in, in, in elevating the women's program. And so what we did was we we had to build a little bit. We had to build and bring some of our own babies in and, 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 and go from there. And then this this year, the manifestation of that happened for us indoors, um, where we were third at the national championships and bringing home a trophy or a podium team. And for that, I was grateful. For that, I was exceedingly grateful. You know what I mean? That is, you know, he, 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 Edric whispered uh, uh, something in my ear. You know, I'm not going to say that was between, between us at the national championship indoors. And all I could do is I laughed. I said, man, get away from me, man. Get away from me. But, but what he whispered in my ear, and I, I let them remain dreaming him, he was right. He was right. He was spot on. When, we, when, we, when we're done, I'll tell you what it is. You know, I've become the recording. But, but he was right. He was right. You know, and so with that, we just had to do our thing. I think we could have taken over and of all Sidney McLaughlin and Jasmine Camacho Quinn and 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 and, and uh, um, our big pole vault. If all of them stayed, it would have said, "And we won a trophy or whatever." They, it was said, "Oh, they won with Edric's kids." You know what I mean? But they didn't, and they went on to the next level. They 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 went on to what I call a blessed life. Um, um, but we had to keep the other babies and build off that, and then we actually won that third place trophy from the babies we recruited, the ones we developed. No one can say out of their mouth in good faith that, no, everybody that was on that trophy team was our responsibility. Right. You know, we didn't inherit it. Yeah, I, I uh, again, you know, one of my favorite quotes, I got it from Brooks Johnson, but it's, it's he attributed it to the right person, George Williams, who I've both had on the mm -hmm. podcast, amazing individual. I know you know those two. And so I use it all the time. It's George, you, you influenced my life tremendously, both you and Brooks. If you're not in the huddle, you don't know the play. And play. I have to imagine when people saw you go from Purdue to Kentucky after the uh, successes that Flo did have there, they had to be th there. There was a segment of the people that were like, oh, man, this is going to be so easy. Uh, now, I was uh, kind of I don't say, I, I don't want to make myself too big here, but I was in with you during that. I knew a lot of your people, Keith and, um, you know, some other guy, Corey and things like that. So I knew some of the people that were transferring that hadn't been. Mm -hmm you know people didn't know about and it was like oh man this ain't you ain't just picking up the exact same people and moving on like there was some some struggles there and you guys did a tremendous tremendous job you brought up as we end today's podcast Lonnie uh you brought up people you brought up you know counsel I wanted to give you a shot as we're you know as when we're listening to this right now we're in Oregon ready for the big dance. I'm not going to talk about performances because I don't want to jinx anything, but please go look at what my man's team did at SCC's. The whole meet was amazing. Just go look at those four by fours, please. And so I'm super excited for that. But I want to give you a, sh a chance here, Lonnie, because I know these people are important to you. I want to give you a chance to shout out your coaching staff there. You've got really good 
experienced, awesome human beings on your staff. Just give us kind of a, a shout out of who they are and, and what, what you love about them, man, because you got a great, great team there. Let me preface, let me preface what I'm about to say with this. Um, any coach, any head coach, you have to hire people to complement your shortfalls or your weaknesses. I don't think no one head coach can do it all. Some do, you know, and, and are successful at it, but I don't think it's sustained for a long time, you know. Um, but, you know, um, but to start with Tim, you know, Tim, Tim Hall, that's my dude, that's my guy. Words can't express. I know, you know, he's hot right now. I know with this coaching roller coaster, the carousel is getting ready to open up. I assure you, his name is going to be in, in, in you know, his name, as you say, in the huddle. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, um, so we're, we're going to have to do one of two things. Either we're going to have to bless him and tell him we love him and, 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 and hug his neck, or we're going to have to make sure we, go, we, 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 we take care of him and his family to the point that he will say, I'm good. And I'm going to stay. That's going to come up. You know, the body of his work is, is is exponential. It's great. You know what I mean? And for that, I am grateful that we're together. You know what I mean? He's not just um, uh, an assistant associate head coach, but he's my friend. Mm -hmm. And that that speaks volumes to me. He isn't just someone I know that worked. we work together. He is my friend. You know what I mean? Um, um, we, we cry with each other. We laugh with each other. We pray with each other. We, 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 we on the road, most of the nights on the road, when we, uh, we eat together, we goof off together, you know what I mean? And then we, we get serious together, you know what I mean? Um, he knows my idiosyncrasies, I'm still learning his, you know what I mean? Because he, he's a man of few words, he's a quiet brother, um, but, but, but he is, he's, he's awesome. And I think he's not taking anything away from no other sprint coach in the country, none, but I think he's the best sprint coach in the country. That's, that's my humble opinion. Um, people got to be upset with me for saying that. Okay, you'll be all right. But that's, that. you know, then I got my guy, uh, uh, Chris Grimes, who I think is another outstanding jumps coach. Yes. Of all, outstanding human being. Um, that's my guy. You know what I mean? You know, prior to coming here, he was getting ready to join. He was getting ready to join me. He was getting ready to join me at Purdue. And I and I, I remember saying to him, I said, if it, I, said, I said, just hold, just hold right now, just hold. Let me just hold, brother. Just, just wait. I said so, I, something in the works, but let's just wait, and then we'll see what we can do. You know what I mean? Yeah. And of course, you know. I mean, he's he's knowledgeable. Yeah. He's he's his brain operates differently. Yeah. Because he sees completely differently. What I see, he doesn't see. He's very. I mean, he's just a great coach and a great human being, a great dad. Yeah. The whole nine. Just like Tim is a great husband and a great dad. And then I got my guy Keith. You know who. Who, 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 you know, we've been together from Purdue, you know what I mean? And, and he packed up his house and said, all right, let's go. We'll do it together. You know what I mean? And and um, I think he's one of the best Rose coaches in the country as well. I, it's just my, he's just my dude, you know? Um, I, I tell him all the time, I have the utmost confidence, you know, in him because I've seen what he did with the kids at Purdue and, and I've seen what he's done with the kids here. How they have exponentially gotten so much better, um, and then, then then I got my guy Haken DeVries, who who is on who is spot on right now as a distance coach. I mean, he's he was young, he's still young, he's still a baby in the game, but I think as he matures, as he gets better, I tell anybody, watch out, man, because that brother right there is a recruiting, he's a recruiting, he's a recruiting machine. Mm -hmm. You know, he 
you know, he, he, he's, he's a very good distance coach. Um, and on top of that, you know, he, he's a, he's an excellent, he's an excellent husband. He's an excellent dad. He's expecting one any day. Now we were on baby watch at the SEC championships. I said, you got to take the event. You got to go. You know what I mean? He said, yeah, it's someone at the house with wife. You know what I mean? In case if she, he said, yeah, my neighbor. So and so I said, okay, you know, we had a ticket ready and he was like, I'll drive through the night. I said, no, you'll be driving too fast and you can create a problem. So we need to get a ticket. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, but thankfully, you know, any day now, probably th Thursday or Friday, you know, we'll be expecting the other little boy, you know what I mean? Which is so cool to me. Um, but, but, and then I got Debbie Ferguson, who is, who, who, who let me date myself a little bit. I recruited in high school. You know what I mean? It was, you know, so. That's called full circle, isn't it? Holy yeah. cow. In high school. And then, and, and, you know, she is phenomenal. She does a wonderful job with our women, you know, and they love her. She, she's that balance between us male guys. Let's go. You know, you know, we, we I guess to, to her, we're a bunch of football coaches and she's the one that's like, Hey, hey coach. Yeah. We're, you're a football coach, but we're women. <laughs> and she brings us, she brings us all back down. You know what I mean? And then I got my right hand guy, Corey Thalheimer, man. That's that's my dude right there. You know, he is, I, I've given him uh, in, in our togetherness. I told him, I said, man, you got complete run of the ship. You know what I mean? He'll come to me, Green, we need to do this and that. And, I, and I'll be like, I said, explain. Just make sure I understand what we're doing. But I trust him. I mean, he thinks outside the box. Now, I, this is not a this is not a, 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 a ploy to get Corey. So no other person who's listening to this, don't try to come and get him from Kentucky because we're going to make it difficult for you to, to get him. But at the end of the day, he is the best director of operations in this game. He makes all of our lives so much easier. You know, I tell them when they come complain about me, I say, stop, 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 stop. I said, I don't hear that. I said, because he covers more administrative duties than he's supposed to. I said, now, if you want to cover that and do your job, go ahead. Then you can come complain to me. But until you, you understand what he's doing, be quiet. I said, because what he says, what we can do now, what he said, what we can do is wrong. I was stepping and said, no, we're not going to do that. Let's come up with another way of doing it. But he is excellent. I have been in this business for 34 years. When they started giving track and field coaches director of ops, you know, that wasn't too long ago. When mm -hmm. we, we as head coaches and coaches had to do all that ourselves. Mm -hmm. I have not been around someone who is so thorough and so excellent at what he does. Man, it is second to none. He's, he's going to eventually become an administrator. You know, uh, AD, assistant AD, and work his way too, because that's his, that's his ambition. I hope he don't kill me for putting that out there. But but at the end of the day, he will make an outstanding assistant athletic director, an outstanding athletic director one day. He's yeah, got, I, he's never met a stranger. He's got that Johnny Sequoia. I, I was about to say, I, I'd co-sign off of him. Yeah, I've worked with him when he's at Purdue and now at Kentucky, mm -hmm. and, and I work with coaches and DOs around the country. I, I like when my phone shows up uh Corey on my caller id because i know yeah. it's already thought out it's vetted i mean he's uh mm -hmm. he is tip top and you really do lonnie your staff and um you know from top to bottom i don't know there is a bottom from full circle of your entire staff just really strong men and women not only as coaches as that's evident by uh what's put out there on the track but as people uh, as mm -hmm. well again I, you know i know most of your people your staff really well uh some better than others but they're all just top 
human beings out there. And I think that, I think that's part of the coaching. It's not all about the X's and O's. It's you mentioned about, you know, the motivation and how to help that athlete believe in themselves. I think that's part of being a person and knowing the kids on an individual level, knowing them by their names, not just, Oh, the hundred meter person, the 400 meter, here's my relay team, et cetera. So, um, you know, you put together something pretty special there and it's showing up on the stat sheet as well, but uh, the things that aren't on the stat sheet, you know, people are noticing and it's uh, it's valuable, valuable what you're doing there at Kentucky. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Lonnie, man, I've known you for a long time. Uh, you know, one of the most valuable things you've given me, you know, we've talked before and we've done this, we've done business together. One of the most valuable things you'll ever be able to give me is your time, man. So I'm just so thankful, especially the Monday after SEC. I almost had to remind you, like, are you sure? Like, I, come on now, you're coming off the, the war. You want to talk on Monday? Well, I'm just, again, so thankful that you uh, you were able to sit down with us. Uh, it's the week of NCAAs, uh, so I'll be, I'll, I'll probably see you tomorrow. <laughs> Uh, out on the track, man. So excited to see the Kentuckys compete. And uh, I'm sure something special is going to happen because uh, you got a pretty special staff and, and students there. So uh, that, that's usually a good combination for magic. So we're excited to see you guys out there. Mike, thank you so much. I appreciate you, brother. All right, y'all. I appreciate you, man. Have a great day. Okay, you too. Mike, what an incredible journey Coach has been on. So awesome to hear their story in their own words. Tremendous proof of the positive effects coaches make on a daily basis. Help us spread the word of this great journey by sharing on your favorite social media channel. And don't forget to take a minute to rate and review the podcast. You just might get a shout out on a future episode. That's it for today. Join us next week when we'll connect you with another amazing coach.